Long History, a journal of the first voyage of Vasco da Gama, part 5, the island of Mozambique. Hello and welcome to Long History. This is the place where we split source documents into chunks of around 10 minutes or so, giving you the chance to see events through the eyes of the people who were there. In this document we're covering Vasco da Gama's world-changing first voyage. This is episode 5 of a 15-part series, so please subscribe to be informed of when the remaining episodes are released. And in Long History's previous episodes we've covered many other famous explorers from Magellan to Sir Walter Raleigh, and we've covered topics as wide-ranging as the early exploration of the United States and the early colonisation of the Philippines. In the previous episode, da Gama had rounded the Cape of Good Hope and was heading up the eastern coast of today's South Africa, taking in the coastline around today's Durban. In this episode, he heads into the East African waters of today's country called Mozambique. However, the place that da Gama calls Mozambique is in fact an island, which still bears the name today. So here we go, with a journal of the first voyage of Vasco da Gama, part 5, the island of Mozambique. Mozambique. On Friday morning, Nicolau Coelho, when attempting to enter the bay, mistook the channel and came upon a bank in tacking towards the other ships, which were astern. Coelho perceived some sailing boats approaching from a village on this island in order to welcome the captain major and his brother. As for ourselves, we continued in the direction of our proposed anchorage. These boats following us all the while, and making signs for us to stop. When we had cast anchor in the roadstead of the island from which these boats had come, there approached seven or eight of them, including Almadias, the people in them playing upon anafils. They invited us to proceed further into the bay, offering to take us into the port if we desired it. Those among them who boarded our ships ate and drank what we did, and went their way when they were satisfied. The captain thought that we should enter this bay in order that we might find out what sort of people we had to deal with. That Nicolau Coelho should go first in his vessel, to take soundings at the entrance, and that, if found practicable, we should follow him. As Coelho prepared to enter, he struck the point of the island and broke his helm, but he immediately disengaged himself and regained deep water. I was with him at the time. When we were again in deep water, we struck our sails and cast anchor at a distance of two bowshots from the village. The people of this country are of a ruddy complexion and well made. They are Mohammedans and their language is the same as that of the Moors. Their dresses are of fine linen or cotton stuffs, with variously coloured stripes, and of rich and elaborate workmanship. They all wear tukas, with borders of silk embroidered in gold. They are merchants, and have transactions with white moors, four of whose vessels were at the time in port laden with gold, silver, cloves, pepper, ginger and silver rings, as also with quantities of pearls, jewels and rubies, all of which articles are used by the people of this country. 
we understood them to say that all these things, with the exception of the gold, were brought thither by these moors, that further on, where we were going to, they abounded, and that precious stones, pearls and spices were so plentiful that there was no need to purchase them as they could be collected in baskets. All this we learned through a sailor the Captain Major had with him, and who, having formerly been a prisoner among the Moors, understood their language. These Moors, moreover, told us that along the route which we were about to follow, we should meet with numerous shoals, that there were many cities along the coast and also an island, one half the population of which consisted of Moors, and the other half of Christians, who were at war with each other. This island was said to be very wealthy. We were told, moreover, that Prester John resided not far from this place, that he held many cities along the coast, and that the inhabitants of those cities were great merchants and owned big ships. The residence of Prester John was said to be far in the interior and could be reached only on the back of camels. These Moors had also brought hither two Christian captives from India. This information, and many other things which we heard, rendered us so happy that we cried with joy and prayed God to grant us health, so that we might behold what we so much desired. In this place and island of Mokombike, there resided a chief who had the title of Sultan, and he was like a viceroy. He often came aboard our ships attended by some of his people. The Captain Major gave him many good things to eat, and made him a present of hats, malotas, corals, and many other articles. He was, however, so proud that he treated all we gave him with contempt, and asked for scarlet cloth, of which we had none. We gave him, however, all of the things we had. One day, the Captain Major invited him to a repast, when there was an abundance of figs and comfits, and begged him for two pilots to go with us. He at once granted this request, subject to our coming to terms with them. The Captain Major gave each of them thirty mitkals in gold and two marlotas, on condition that from the day on which they received this payment, one of them should always remain on board if the other desired to go on land. With these terms, they were well satisfied. On Saturday, March the 10th, we set sail and anchored one league out at sea, close to an island, where mass was said on Sunday, when those who wished to do so confessed and joined in the communion. One of our pilots lived on the island, and when we had anchored we armed two boats to go in search of him. The Captain Major went in one boat, and Nicolau Coelho in the other. They were met by five or six boats, barcas, coming from the island, and crowded with people armed with bows and long arrows and bucklers, who gave them to understand by signs that they were to return to the town. When the captain saw this, he secured the pilot, whom he had taken with him, and ordered the bombards to fire upon the boats. Paolo de Gama, who had remained with the ships, so as to be prepared to render succour in case of need, 
no sooner heard the reports of the bombards than he started in the barrio. The Moors, who were already flying, fled still faster and gained the land before the barrio was able to come up with them. We then returned to our anchorage. The vessels of this country are of good size and decked. There are no nails, and the planks are held together by cords, as are also those of their boats, barcos. The sails are made of palm matting. Their mariners have Genoese needles, by which they steer, quadrants and navigating charts. The palms of this country yield a fruit as large as a melon, of which the kernel is eaten. It has a nutty flavour. There also grow in abundance melons and cucumbers, which were brought to us for barter. On the day in which Nicolau Coelho entered the port, the lord of the place came on board with a numerous suite. He was received well, and Coelho presented him with a red hood, in return for which the lord handed him a black rosary, which he made use of when saying his prayers, to be held as a pledge. He then begged Nicolau Coelho for the use of his boat to take him ashore. This was granted. And after he had landed, he invited those who had accompanied him to his house, where he gave them to eat. He then dismissed them, giving them a jar of bruised dates made into a preserve with cloves and cumin, as a present for Nicolau Coelho. Subsequently, he sent many things to the Captain Major, all this happened at the time when he took us for Turks or for Moors from some foreign land, for in case we came from Turkey, he begged to be shown the bows of our country and our books of the law. But when they learned that we were Christians, they arranged to seize and kill us by treachery. The pilot, whom we took with us, subsequently revealed to us all they intended to do, if they were able. False start and returned to Mozambique. On Sunday, we celebrated Mass beneath a tall tree on the island. We returned on board and at once set sail, taking with us many fowls, goats and pigeons, which had been given to us in exchange for small glass beads. On Tuesday, we saw high mountains rising on the other side of the Cape. The coast near the Cape was sparsely covered with trees, resembling elms. We were at that time over 20 leagues from our starting place, and there we remained becalmed during Tuesday and Wednesday. During the following night, we stood offshore with a light easterly wind, and in the morning found ourselves four leagues abaft Mozambique, but we went again forward on that day until the evening, where we anchored once more close to the island on which Mass had been celebrated the previous Sunday, and there we remained eight days waiting for a favourable wind. During our stay here, the King of Mozambique sent word that he wanted to make peace with us and to be our friend. His ambassador was a white moor and sheriff that is priest, and at the same time a great drunkard. Whilst at this place, a moor with his little son came on board one of our ships and asked to be allowed to accompany us as he was from near Mecca and had come to Mozambique as pilot of a vessel from that country. As the weather did not favour us, it became necessary once more to enter the port of Mozambique, 
in order to procure the water of which we stood in need, for the watering place is on the mainland. This water is drunk by the inhabitants of the island, for all the water they have there is brackish. On Thursday we entered the port, and when it grew dark we lowered our boats. At midnight the Captain Major and Nicolau Coelho, accompanied by some of us, started in search of water. We took with us the Moorish pilot, whose object appeared to be to make his escape rather than to guide us to a watering place. As a matter of fact, he either would not or could not find a watering place, although we continued our search until morning. We then withdrew to our ships. Throughout this episode in particular, there is a sense that although Vasco da Gama is the first man to travel on this particular route from Christian Europe, he is by no means the first person to pass through these territories looking for trade. This is an area that has already not just many people, but many different people. The Portuguese men are mistaken for Turks, so we know that those people have already traded on this coast. There is a sense here that the Portuguese are carefully sailing through a web of alliances and rivalries that are already well established. In the next episode, da Gama heads further up the African coast. Thank you for listening everyone. Before you move on, don't forget to give this episode a like and to share it with any like-minded people. Thank you for listening. This was a journal of the first voyage of Vasco da Gama, part 5, the island of Mozambique. Goodbye.